Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to you. Wherever you are today, thank you for participating uh, in this service of worship from Stornoway Free Church. We're so pleased uh, to have you join with us for this short time of worship. And our prayer is, as always, that God will bless this time to us and that he will, by his Spirit, lay his word upon our hearts so that we will be able to worship him in spirit and in truth, but also take from that uh, his teaching, his word, to govern our lives for the remaining part of the week. So we're going to begin our service singing, first of all, in Psalm 47. Psalm number 47 in Sing Psalms version. You'll find that on page 62 of the Blue Psalm books. Psalm number 47. And we're singing to the tune, Wareham. All nations, clap your hands and shout. Let joyful cries to God ring out. How awesome is the Lord Most High, great King who rules the earth throughout. Singing the whole of the Psalm 5 verses there, uh, Psalm 47, all nations clap your hands and shout. All nations clap your hands and shout, let joyful cries to God ring out. How awesome is the Lord Most High, great King who rules the God's Word and we'll find that today in Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament and chapter 5. And we'll read through the whole of chapter 5 and come back to look at some verses from the beginning of the chapter shortly. So Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are doing e that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. 
When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity, but God is the one you must fear. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violations of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to, to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a labourer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God, for he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Amen. We pray God will bless our reading of his word once again. Let's now join together in prayer. Let's call upon the Lord in prayer. Lord, our gracious God, we know it is our privilege once again to come before you, to draw near to you, and to come to hear what you will speak to us, and to speak to you in prayer and in praise, and in the preaching of your word. We pray, Lord, for that readiness to listen, and for that sincerity of speaking, so that we may come before you recognising who you are and with whom we have to do. And Lord, we thank you today that your greatness once again is before us, even these words that we have been reading and the words that we have been singing likewise calls upon us to give praise to the Most High God, to the Creator of the ends of the universe, to the One who has all the creation in His hand and at His disposal. We thank you today, Lord, that you have looked upon us in your pity, that in your mercy you have provided for us this way of access to you. For we are conscious, O Lord, as we draw near to you, that we do so not in our own strength, not on our own merits, that we have not ourselves the capacity as sinners to come near to you and find acceptance with you. We depend upon the person and on the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that he is the way and the truth and the life, that he is that new and living way that your word speaks of. And that as we come in him and claiming him by faith as our Redeemer, we give thanks for the assurance you give us in your word that you receive us, that you take us as your people, and that you treat us likewise, so that we come to know the blessings of your covenant, that covenant of grace that is so anchored and secured in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you today, Lord, for the word that we have in our possession. We thank you for the way in which we have so much time at our disposal, even though we, we often misuse it, uh, to come to read your word, to study your word, to listen to you through your word. We pray that today, this day that you have, from the beginning of creation, set apart 
to be a day that is holy and marked by it being sanctified to yourself. Help us, Lord, we pray, to do so gladly and enable us to rejoice as we have been singing, as we have been reading too, in the way in which God enables us to enjoy the things of his creation and of his redemption. For this is why you created us, uh, not only to be obedient to you in a formal way, but also to enjoy you forever. And we thank you, Lord, for the way in which we are able to enjoy the things of salvation, that they bring gladness to our hearts, and that even in the midst of our sorrows and our disappointments and our failures, nevertheless, we return to that sure and steady foundation, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work, where we find, Lord, a cause for rejoicing. Bless us, uh, we pray today as a congregation of your people. We thank you for this facility again that we have for being able to join together in this way virtually uh, so that we give our minds to your worship. And we thank you today, O Lord, for all of uh, the congregation, whatever they may be, and for all who join us in different parts of the world and who come to uh, listen in to this online service. Lord, help us, we pray, in doing so to realise that we also are worshipping you through this medium and that even though we are not together physically, nevertheless the, the discipline of worship and the privilege of worship is that which we are engaged in. And we give thanks today, Lord, for all of our young people and for all of our young families who join together with us in the services and who come also to partake online of uh, Sunday school teaching that has been so wonderfully set up by the superintendent and his teachers and all who help him. We thank you, Lord, for the parents as well, and we thank you especially for the children themselves who show such commitment, Lord, to being uh, instructed and to being participants in learning from your word and learning what your word is about. Bless them, we pray today, and graciously extend, O Lord, to them your own spirit's blessing that they may be guided into these avenues of your truth and that they may be beneficial to them now and as they grow up towards adulthood. We pray that you bless those who are away from home at this time of our young people. We pray for all our young people in the nation, O Lord, at this time when many of them are caught up in the restrictions caused by new outbreaks of the COVID virus. O Lord our God, we pray for them. And we ask that you would bless those who are confined uh, to apartments or to flats or buildings. We pray that you would keep them safe, that you would bless them, O Lord, at this time. And that you would be pleased, Lord, to bless their parents too and their loved ones who may be anxious over them and over their health. O Lord, extend to them your blessing, we pray. And bless us as a nation, as once again we find, O Lord, restrictions applied uh, by our governments and Westminster and Scotland and elsewhere. Remember them, we pray, as they wrestle with these difficulties. And Lord, even at times, though we may find difficulty in accepting their conclusions and the actions that they set out, set out for us uh, to follow, we pray that you would bless them nonetheless, uh, however much we may have different opinions to those that take such decisions. Lord, uh, you call upon us in your word to pray for them and to pray for them that we may live in days of peace for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of your cause, for the extending of your kingdom. And so give them, Lord, at this time, your own wisdom and help them to use this crisis as a means of reaching out to you, as a means of contemplating and thinking upon the most important issues of all in life, the things that have to do with our relationship to God, not only individually, but as a people. For your word is full of teaching in regard to the fact that it is as a people that we are to come before God and that righteousness exalts a nation and not merely individuals. We pray that you would turn, our face, uh, turn your face from our iniquities. Lord, our sins are many, our personal sins, our individual sins, our collective sins, our national sins. We pray that you would in mercy, Lord, turn us into your ways, and give us, we pray, the spirit of repentance, the spirit of realising that whenever we break out in rebellion against God, we take your judgment upon ourselves. We pray that you would rescue us, 
that you would come in the power of the gospel and speak into our situation, Lord, we pray, as you have done in times gone by. And we ask that you would be pleased in mercy to turn to us. Remember uh, the other leaders of the world and governments of the world at this time when this worldwide crisis has come upon us. Lord, we pray that you would bless them and bless them in their own responsibilities. Think especially today, O oh Lord, and pray for President Trump and for his wife and family and for that nation. Lord, whatever we may think of him as a person or of his policies and government or those who assist him in his administration, you call upon us to pray for all who are in authority. We pray for him and pray for his recovery and pray that you would grant, Lord, that this time of illness may be for himself a means of coming near to God, a means of looking for you, a means of reaching out to you, a means of drawing near to you. And we ask, Lord, that you would be pleased at this time to use uh, this crisis in his own life uh, as a means by which he may come to know you and come to uh, fall down before you and realise that although in many senses the most powerful man in the world, yet he is but small and sinful and tiny in comparison with you. And we do pray for him and ask that you would be pleased to bless him in your mercy. And now we ask that you would continue with us here and bless us as we as we come again to study your word for a short time. Lead us by your spirit to understand it. And we pray of all, all of, for all of this, seeking pardon and cleansing for all our sins. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, children, those of you who are watching today, thank you again for joining us. It's good to have you here. And I want to thank you for um, the way in which you've committed yourselves to the Sunday School teaching once again. Um, I'm really grateful. Uh, we're really grateful um, as a Kirk session uh, to those who have taken the lead in providing these online resources for the children. Uh, Ian McLeod, the superintendent, and all of those teachers um, who have been so instrumental in providing new videos and so on um, to put online and I want to thank the parents as well for your commitment it's been an absolutely wonderful thing to see uh, how many parents in fact all of those parents of children in our Sunday school have wholeheartedly committed themselves again um, to having their children receive this instruction from God's word and that's really for us as a congregation so so encouraging and cause for thanks to God well, I want for a number of weeks, maybe two or three weeks, uh, we're moving from birds of the Bible and animals of the Bible. I want to think about worship. Worship, as we so often are engaged in worship, but what is worship and why do we worship and who do we worship, whom do we worship? And so today, just briefly, I want to think, uh, first of all, of whom do we worship? And the answer to that, of course, is obvious. We worship God. And the Bible all the way through the Bible, emphasizes that we have to worship God and no one else. All the way through the Old Testament days, we find the people of Israel going astray in worshipping idols that belong to the Canaanites and to their religion. And all the prophets in the Old Testament virtually are sent by God to try and appeal to the people to come back to God, to God alone. Because even though they were saying, well, the images we're using, the statues, the carvings, and so on, um, we're just really using these, although they belong to the Canaanites, the, the bales of the Canaanites. We're just we're still worshipping God. Well, the Bible is clear that God alone is to be worshipped, and is to be worshipped in the way that he himself describes in the Bible. In Revelation chapter 22, we find John coming to the end of that book of the Revelation, where God has been revealing to him things uh, that he was then to record, and that's what we have in the book of Revelation now. And in chapter 22, verse 9, John tells us he fell down before the feet of the angel who'd been revealing these things to him. And he was told, don't do it, because I'm a creature like you are. Worship God. Worship God alone. And you remember when the devil came to Jesus in the wilderness, having been there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. And one of the things the devil said to him was, 
all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, I will give them to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You see, Jesus is there setting before the devil who was created by God, not created evil, but created nonetheless. And here is Jesus reminding him, only God is to be worshipped. Only God deserves our worship. So we worship God and we worship him for two things, really. We're going to come later in some other studies, God willing to look at why we worship him, how we worship him. But we worship God alone, God only, as our creator. Psalm 139, you can look this up later for yourselves, and especially verse 14 and the verses around that, really tell us that God is the one who has created us. Even before we came into the world through being born from our mothers, God created us in the womb. Everything about us was created there by God, our physical and spiritual, uh, our spiritual and, and, and physical attributes. And the psalmist is really saying, I will praise you, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He's saying that you deserve my praise because you are my creator. You have created me. You have put me together. You are the one who has brought me into being. And we worship God. We praise him because he's our creator. If he hadn't, we didn't have God as a creator. We wouldn't exist. Human beings exist because God created us in the beginning. And we worship him too, not only as our creator, but as our saviour. As we've been just praying recently, we were giving God thanks for the way that he allows us, enables us to come before him to worship him. And we worship him not only as our creator, but as our redeemer, as our saviour. Um, in Luke chapter 1, Mary, when she was pregnant with Jesus and had gone to visit Elizabeth, her cousin, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, and this is one of the things that Mary, in these wonderful verses, Mary said, ah, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. God my Saviour. Whom do we worship? We worship God. We worship God as our Creator, and we worship God because he's also our Redeemer, our Saviour. So when we come to worship, we always have to remember, we're going to look at worship in uh, the sermon this morning, so it ties in with what I'm saying just now to you, the children. Um, but I want you to listen as well to the sermon because it has to do with the same subject of worship. And I hope it's not going to be a difficult sermon to follow uh, because we're going to be uh, talking about how important it is to listen to God and to speak to God and to doing what we have promised to do before God. And so here today we come to worship, and we worship God, and God alone is the one who, who we worship through Jesus Christ and by his Spirit. And we worship him as our creator, we worship him as our saviour. So let's say the Lord's Prayer again together and pray this prayer together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're going to turn now to uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And looking today at verses 1 to 7. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. For a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words, and so on, done as far as verse 7. 
Now, I'm not going to recap much on what we've done before. Uh, we began looking at Ecclesiastes before the lockdown came in. Uh, so you can refer to that if you like online. They are uh, available on the website. Um, but remember, we were looking at Ecclesiastes from the approach that sees it as uh, the writer arguing for looking for some purpose in the world, but actually leaving God out of the argument, out of the analysis. And that's why he used uses the phrase so often it's also here in this in this chapter itself the phrase under the sun what he's doing is looking without taking god into his reckoning looking to see is there a meaning to life is there some purpose to human life and you remember we we saw him covering such topics as our work our everyday work um, passing of time death life possessions family relationships all of that in the first four chapters were considered as aspects of life as it is in this world, life under the sun, and looking for some purpose in it. And what we concluded, and what he concludes, what we see him uh, concluding is that you cannot actually find anything by way of a meaning or a purpose to life without bringing God into your reckoning, without seeing all things under the sovereign administration of God. Uh, and the loving administration of God indeed as well. And now when you come to um, chapter 5, God really is now in the foreground. Previously, he'd been looking at it with God much in the background. There were some references to God, but he was keeping that pretty much in the background because that served as his argument, served as purpose in looking at life without taking God into the picture. But now he's bringing God to the foreground for us. Because he's talking about the worship of God, he's talking about the house of God, talking about listening to God, talking about speaking to God, vowing to God, doing what you've vowed. And all the way down now, and for much of the book after this, God is going to be in the foreground. God's, God's going to be mentioned much more frequently. And it's especially the worship of God that he has before us in these verses today. You see how the, the chapter begins. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. House of God then, of course, would have been the temple, or previously to, to that, the tabernacle. But really, the temple, the house of God, applies, in a sense, to all contexts of worship. Now, we're not able, at the moment, sadly, to, to be in our buildings for worship. That's where we'd rather be. That's where we're longing to be again. But that doesn't mean that we're not, in the same sense as a people, that we're not worshipping God. Is the worship of God is not itself confined to being in a certain building. You don't need to be in a cathedral or in a church building or in any building at all to worship God. That doesn't give us um, any reason for thinking that it's no big deal really not to be together physically in the worship of God. Because that in itself is an important aspect of the church's life, uh, that we are together physically as far as possible. And although that's not possible just now, it is a great privilege nonetheless to be able together to share as we are today in worship, in the worship of God, and to come, as it were, to the house of God, to where God is, and to gather there in his presence in whatever way we're able to do that, whether it's online as today or physically as we hope in the future. He's saying, when you come, watch your step, guard your steps, when you go to the house of God. And really throughout these verses, down to verse 7 especially, this is really one of the dominant thoughts. Take care how you go. Take care how you actually treat the worship of God. Uh, take care how you, uh, how you proceed towards and in and after the worship of God. Because friends, worship is the highest activity that we can engage in. There are so many important things and so many significant things we can engage in together or individually in our everyday lives. But worship is the highest activity of which our human persons are capable. There is nothing higher for us. There is no higher privilege than to be in a worshipping relationship with God. And so our attitude to worship is really important. How we approach worship is really important. What our mind is, as far as worship is concerned, 
is really important. And so there are three things that come into that as these verses develop. First of all, there's the matter of listening to God. Secondly, there's the matter of speaking to God. Both of these are important elements in our worship, in the worship of God. And thirdly, there's the matter of doing what we have promised to do. When we promise God something to do something, well, he says in verse 4, don't delay doing it. Do it if you've promised to do it. So listening to God, first of all, verses 1 and 2. And notice what he's saying here. When you go to the house of God, to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Uh, so there are two things in that. First of all, drawing near to listen means drawing near to God. The Bible often uses that language in the context of worship. We are drawing near to God. It doesn't matter whether we're worshipping ourselves individually, and you come to your own personal worship, uh, your, your personal worship of God by yourself, reading your Bible, praying to God. You're drawing near to God. And it's important for worship, whether it's individually, collective, physically together, or online such as we are today, it's important that we realize this is what really lies at the heart of worship, that we're drawing near to God. It's important that you and I prepare our minds for worship, and to prepare your mind includes things especially like the consciousness of drawing near to God, being aware that this is what it's about. A wonderful privilege to draw near to God. Not only is it a privilege because we are creators, we'll see in a minute, and he is the creator, but we are sinful beings. We have been provided with a facility, with this route into the presence of God, to draw near to God because of what Jesus has done and what Jesus continues to do as our intercessor in heaven. And so today, we set our minds to worship before we come to worship. I'm sure you, you've done this. I'm not saying you haven't at all, but it's important that you and I, whether we're in the, in the position of being the preacher, the, uh, the conductor of worship, or just part of the congregation, we have to prepare our minds for this. Set your mind to draw near to God. Set your mind with the realization that this is what you're actually doing in worship. And you're coming to draw near to God, to approach God, to come to use that way that Jesus has opened for us, that new and living way in himself. And that we come both before and during as we come to worship to draw near to God. But you see, he's saying to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. Because it's reminding us, not just a matter of drawing near to God, it's drawing near so as to listen. It's drawing near so as to actually have that mind that is drawing near to God with a view to listening, to hearing what he has to say. And listening to God is a major element in our worship, a major aspect of worship, receiving instruction from God. And perhaps sometimes we're guilty of coming to draw near to God and thinking that the major part of that is our speaking to God in prayer and praise and preaching. What he's really telling us here is that to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. He's going to speak about, he's going to deal with speaking to God in verse 2 as well, but he's really emphasizing for us how really important it is, how, how truly significant it is to come to realize that listening is such an important aspect of worshipping. And that carries through, incidentally, uh, into our relationship with each other. When you come to somebody who's suffering some kind of trauma, whether it's bereavement, uh, something else in their lives that gives them, um, sometimes it means that people are just absolutely silent and uh, silenced through that, but very often you'll find that, especially people who are lonely as well, and uh, maybe not suffering trauma, apart from the loneliness itself, which can be traumatic. And very often you'll find that they want to speak and they keep speaking all the time. And however much it's tempting just to kind of uh, butt in and just say something yourself, that's not really what it's about. Uh, people are very often helped by just listening to them, by knowing there's someone there to listen to them. And very often that's something we need to give 
a mind to ourselves as we interact with one another. Um, but what it's dealing with here, of course, is God listening to God. God is speaking to us through his word. Even when you're reading the word of God by yourself, God is speaking to you through that. It's his word. It continues to be his word. And the preaching of the gospel, which God himself has set up, as we know, is the way in which God continues to speak to us through preaching as well as through our reading his word. And faith comes by hearing, as Romans 10 tells us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And that's a context of preaching, the preaching of the word. So here is listening to God, such an important element of our worship. We draw near to God to listen to him. Sometimes, uh, lunchtimes usually, um, watching the news and then maybe just a few more minutes um, to, to take a break. And very often I turn over to a channel where you find Judge Judy, just one of those programs that just keeps on repeating, repeating all the time. But... Um, Judge Judy has some favourite phrases. If you watch the programme, you'll, you'll be aware of this. And one of her favourites is, put your listening ears on, because you'll find people there before her. She's in the judge's chair and she's made some pronouncement and the person that's uh, taken the case to court doesn't agree with that and tries to interrupt and tries to actually present their own argument and their own ideas as to what conclusion she should reach. And she'll say, put your listening ears on. You haven't got your listening ears on. And, well, that's just a human context. How much more important is it for us to approach God and to draw near to God? And when we have our, mind, our minds set upon drawing near to God, that has to include, that must include, having our listening ears on. Listening to what God has to say to us through his word. Psalm 85 and uh, verse 8, you remember there, the psalmist saying, um, that uh, God, as he speaks to his people, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He will speak peace to his people, but let them not again return to foolishness. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. Romans 15 verse 4, Paul reminded the Roman church there that what things soever were written beforehand were written for our learning, for our instruction. So we come to things that are written long before we existed, but they're here for our instruction and they're here because they're God's word and they're here because God is speaking to us through it. And you remember um, Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10 and how the difference between them is brought out. Um, there was a woman named Martha who welcomed Jesus into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted with much serving. Her mind was not on sitting at Jesus' feet as Mary, her sister, was. And Jesus didn't commend Martha, however well-meaning she was, in going about her work in the kitchen preparing stuff for him. He wasn't actually out to praise her for that instead of sitting at his feet like Mary. Mary has chosen, he said, the good part which will not be taken from her. So listening to God is so important. And as you go to the Old Testament, you'll find this is repeatedly the case through the prophets and so on. Now look at the other part of, um, uh, of the verse here. It's better to offer, the, the, to draw near, to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. And you'll find this very often in the wisdom literature, as it's called of the Old Testament, the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, You'll find a balance in some of the verses so that the one thing is, is described in the first part and the next part of the verse often describes the opposite. And that's what you have here where he's saying, draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. And you ask, what is the sacrifice of fools? What is offering the sacrifice of fools? Well, it's the opposite of drawing near to listen. Drawing near to listen, the opposite of the sacrifice of fools. It's the alternative to listening, the sacrifice of fools. Insincerity in worship, coming before God and not having your listening ears on, is really being part of uh, the offering the sacrifice of fools. Foolish not to come to listen to God. And one of uh, God's accusations against Israel all the way through the Old Testament, it's summarized for us brilliantly, 
um, in Jeremiah's prophecy. Um, you find it there in Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 33, where you'll find um, Jeremiah uh, saying to God, as God sent him out to uh, bring this message to the people, uh, in chapter 32 uh, and at verse 33, um, this is what he says. God is saying through Jeremiah, they, they the people have turned to me their back and not their face. And though I have taught them persistently, they have not listened to receive instruction. He then goes on to speak about they're setting up their abominations in the house of God and defile it. They built the high places of Baal, the alternatives to, to God that the Baals were in Canaan. What is, what is God saying through Jeremiah? Why did the people of Israel go that far? Because they had stopped listening to God. Because they weren't taking in God's own word. Because they hadn't actually drawn near to God with their listening ears on. And Jeremiah was saying, this is why you've gone the way you have, contrary to God's word, contrary to God's command. You weren't listening. You don't have your listening ears on. Now today, here is such an important thing, friends, for ourselves. To draw near to God is important. It's crucial in our worship to be conscious that's what we're doing. But as we draw near to God, we draw near to listen. And we carefully avoid avoid the sacrifice of fools the alternative to listening going by our own ideas or just carelessly sitting down opening our bibles listening to the preacher but not really listening to god you're not here today to listen to me i'm only a mouthpiece i'm only a spokesperson you're here today to listen to God and to God's word as it comes to you, to you through the preaching of the gospel. So here's the first thing in the worship and listening to God that he sets before us. Secondly, he goes on to speak about, he goes on to deal with speaking to God. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore let your words be few, for a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's voice with many words. In other words, the first thing he's talking here about, in, in our speaking to God, first thing he's saying is, don't be rash and don't rush. Don't be rash and don't rush. Now, we're struck here, I'm sure you've, you've um, been struck by the similarity here to something in the, things in the epistle of James. And indeed, you could say maybe this is the case. In fact, that James was had this in mind when he was uh, when he was writing his epistle. But there's so much in in James that fits in with this passage, uh, verse nineteen of chapter one. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness God requires. In other words. What he's saying is the tendency, if we're hasty to speak, we're liable to be hasty to anger. Because these are the things that James is tying together. And then when you go to James chapter 3, um, as we saw when we went through this in our Bible study series, um, what he's dealing with in chapter 3, in the first half of the chapter at least, is the importance of watching our speech, how we speak, what we say, consideration of uh, of presenting what we're going to say because you know when you open your mouth to speak through of every single one of us when you open your mouth to speak you're revealing what's in your heart you have an access uh, opened to your heart you've a door to your heart open people can see into your heart by what you're actually saying i know sometimes it's possible hypocritically to try and cover things up but by and large when we open our mouth we reveal our heart how much more is, the, is that the case when we come before God when you draw near to God uh, and he's talking here uh, in terms of speaking to God let not your heart be hasty to utter a word before God it's the context again of worship of relationship with God that he's got in mind in other words don't be rash he's saying to us don't be hasty. Don't rush into it. 
think beforehand. Uh, don't do it uh, in a way that's unthinking. Don't come before God and just think, well, uh, I'll do it, but I'll do it as quickly as possible. Let's just get it over and done with. And all of this applies to our praise, our prayer, and our preaching. This principle applies to all of that. Guard your specs, take guard your steps, take care, watch how you go. Don't be rash with your mouth. Don't enter into it unthinkingly. Don't just be in a hurry to speak to God. Be more concerned to listen than to speak. Uh, speaking to God is such a huge privilege. We don't have um, in our coming before God to pray as we come uh, to public prayer or private prayer. We don't have someone on earth that we need to come to in order to bring us to God. We're not dependent on any intermediary such as a priest or a prophet or whatever, an apostle. We have the Lord Jesus Christ and through him we can speak to God directly. Isn't it an amazing thing that every single day, however often you want to do it, you can speak to God. You can actually have a conversation with God. You can open your heart to God. You see, he's putting us on our guard. Guard your steps when you do that. Don't do it rashly. Don't rush into it. Think about what you're doing. And especially, he's saying, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. What is he saying? He's saying, remember the distance. God is in heaven. God is God. And you are on earth and you are a creature. Even a redeemed creature. Even a saved sinner. There's still a huge distance between yourself and your creator. And what he's saying is, you're not speaking to someone on the same level, on having the same status as yourself. That's why the Bible often refers to God as the Most High, the Most High God. It's a reminder to us and it's teaching us that God is our sovereign, God is our creator, God is immortal, God is God, God is divine, God is uncreated. God does not come under the sun, to use the language of Ecclesiastes. He's talking about things under the sun and looking for a purpose to human life. No, he's taking us above the sun. He's taking us above uh, human things in themselves. He's taking us to God. He's taking us to our sovereign, to our creator, to our immortal judge. You know, often in life you you have the words um, knowing our place used. Um, you know your place. Usually, usually to when it's somebody in authority, and you try and um, uh, you try and uh, yeah, people try and uh, um, not recognize that authority, and you'll be told, "Look, you should know your place." Well, you know, knowing our place lies at the heart of true worship. Where does flippancy come from in worship, in drawing near to God? Where does carelessness come to, come from? It comes from not knowing our place, or from having lost sight of our place. As we're coming to draw near to God today, as we're drawn near, as we're gathered in the presence of God today, we do so knowing our place. We do so knowing that God is in heaven and we are on earth. Therefore, we choose our words carefully. And we speak to God and we speak about God. And I think that's what's in the third verse, which isn't necessarily easy to, to deal with. But for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. Why? What on earth does that mean? Um, well, it's really in terms of connections. Just as, is, as there's a connection between a dream and much busyness, so there's a connection between many words and a fool's voice. You know, when you're overtired, you've done too much, especially if it's been a sunny day and um, a hot day or whatever, and then you go to sleep very often, your sleep is restless or have many dreams where you're flailing your arms about and you're talking in your sleep because you're overtired. And this is what he's saying in the first part of the verse, a dream or dreams come with much busyness when you're overtired and you start dreaming um, and you can't really sleep without having all of uh, that kind of agitation of mind. Well, that connection is usually pretty obvious. And so is this one. Many words and the voice of a fool. 
because very often the wisest people are not the most loquacious, the most uh, ready to speak. And you find in chapter 10 that he picks this up again, chapter 10, verse 14. These are all such practical points that Ecclesiastes is making for us. Chapter 10, verse 14, a fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell them what will be after him. How often you find that that's the case, the multiplicity of words, just endlessly speaking and showing up what's in the heart in doing that. Well, very often the Bible says that's just foolish. That's just the way of the fool. That's the way of, um, as the previous passage put it, the previous verses put it, the sacrifice of fools. When we come before God, let's listen to God. But let's also speak to God as we are enabled and as we have this wonderful privilege of speaking to God. But don't be rash and don't rush into it. And always remember the distance. The distance between who we are and who God is. And where we are and where God is. Listening to God, speaking to God, and then doing what we have vowed. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. You see the repetition again of the word fools. Pay what you vow. Now there's such a thing as a formal vow. Vows in the Old Testament could be done formally. Doing a, taking a formal vow before God. And what he's saying is be sure you're going to keep that. But I think you can extend this really to all the promises that you would make before God. And very often we're making promises daily to God. For example... Um, we, we make promises, especially times of illness, perhaps. We'll maybe say, well, you know, when I recover from this, if God brings me through this, I'm going to attend more carefully to my uh, worship, to my church attendance, to whatever it is. Very often we'll make that sort of promise, but we don't normally uh, do it uh, insincerely, but very often uh, we don't actually keep to it, at least not to the letter of our promise. But we also make promises to God as we worship. And I'm sure you and I will have made promises to God in our thoughts, not spoken out loud perhaps, but in our thoughts today since we began this service of worship. Thoughts such as, well, you know, God's put in my mind that I have to give more attention to the study of his word. Or thoughts like, well, I never used to go to church physically, but uh, these online services have shown me that it's important to belong to the church, to the people of God. And when this lockdown is over, when these restrictions are over, I intend to actually join people physically in the church building to worship God with them, to worship God together. In that sense, that's really making a promise to God because every promise we make of that kind, actually, ultimately, we're making it to God. In our hearts, we're saying this to God. Maybe it's uh, extending even to saying, well, I'm going to read my Bible more and Next time there's a, a communion in the church, I, I really want to take communion. I want to be part of that people. I want to go further in my spiritual life, and I will do that. I feel really, at the moment, that's really where I need to have my life heading. And that's great. Making the promise is so good, so important. But Ecclesiastes is saying, carry it out. Do as you have promised. Because when you look for a way out of what you've promised, you'll always find a way out. And that's what the rest of the passage here is saying. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger. People take that to be, um, some uh, commentators take that to be uh, one of the uh, temple um, employees that went round uh, taking collections, whatever. But anyway, whatever you make of it, uh, let not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. In other words, what he's saying is, don't say what you've promised was wrong, was a mistake, that um, you shouldn't really have done, have made that promise at all. If it's something that's important, that God is not going to be displeased with, obviously, then he's saying carry it out. Don't look for a way out of it. Don't think, well, maybe it's not for me after all. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Don't look for a way out. Just keep to what you vowed, what you've promised. Because when it's in accordance with the will and the word of God, it can't be wrong of you to actually carry it through. Listening to God, 
speaking to God, doing as promised before God. And I'm going to finish with what in a sense is the most important reference of all in the passage. And we will look at it more fully, God willing, on another occasion. That's the final words of verse 7. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. And that really is the governing factor in our worship, as well as in all of life as Christians. The fear of God. Because that's really the beginning of wisdom, as Proverbs says. It's the foundation to a life well lived. And it means not slavish fear, not being afraid of God, not just trembling at the prospect of uh, doing something wrong, although that's an element of it, maybe. The fear of God really means giving God the respect, the reverence that is due to him, giving him his place. In other words, it's really just the same as loving God for himself. The fear of God is when you love God for who he is, for what he's done, and when you want to honour him. That's the fear of God. And the fear of God is foundational to our listening. The fear of God is foundational to our speaking. The fear of God is foundational to doing as we have promised. So guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Watch your step when we come to worship him. Because God is in heaven and we are on earth. God is God and we are his people and we are human. God is God and God is worthy of the worship that he himself deserves. Let's pray. Lord our God, we give thanks again today for the reminder, the teaching you have given us in your word in this passage of the great distance between us and you, our God and Creator. But we give thanks, Lord, that you have also come to remind us in your word so often that we do draw near to God. Despite the great distance and through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are pleased to bring us near to yourself. Bless our worship today, we pray, and especially Grant to lay your word upon our hearts and receive us now, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now we're going to conclude our worship today again with singing, singing in the Scottish Psalter, Psalm 96. Psalm 96, verses 6 to 9, uh, singing to the tune St. Magnus. Great honour is before his face and majesty divine. Strength is within his holy place, and there doth beauty shine. Do ye ascribe unto the Lord of people every tribe. Glory do ye unto the Lord, and mighty power ascribe. Verses 6 to 9 of Psalm 96. Great honour is before his face. Great honour is before his face, and majesty. Oh, do the Lord adore. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, both now and evermore. Amen. Friends, thank you once again for joining in the service with us today. I pray that God will keep you safe, and as you draw near to him in your own worship, may you truly know his peace, his blessing throughout your life. Please join us again, if you can, this evening when... Uh, uh, the service at 6.30 will be conducted by Reverend Kenny I. McLeod. Thank you once again.